What makes a perfect poem perfect? Well, I've been on a 30-year odyssey, a journey really, uh, and that's been one of the questions that has been at the core of my insight, not only for myself, but for many, many others uh, over the years, and I'm wonderfully grateful to have been on this journey. But that's exactly what we want to focus on today on Poetry, Passion, and Pleasure podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dale Byron, and we're going to dig right into it. So here's the thing. Uh, have you ever felt like, you know, sometimes you just say, to heck with it, to hell with it. I just want to have a moment for myself. I want to have a moment to come back to myself, to recenter, um, to uh, re-engage with the world in a more skillful way. And um, often uh, I've found that a poem can be, if it's the right poem, can be an incredibly important tool to help us do that. So what I want to explore today is I've, I've chosen a particular poem, which I hope you'll find uh, to be a great poem, uh, what I'm calling a perfect poem in the sense that I'm going to describe uh, kind of five areas uh, after we hear the poem that I think this poem rises to, and it maybe it will help us begin to um, to have more of a sense of how we can choose more of these poems for ourselves. So the poem I've chosen today is a poem by the wonderful, amazing poet Mary Oliver, who we just lost to this plane anyway. Um, I think it's been about four or five years now. Uh, an amazing poet, an amazingly popular poet, and uh, I want to uh, I want to bring one of her most famous poems, and then we're going to talk about why I think it's perfect. Okay, it's called The Journey, again, by Mary Oliver. It goes like this. One day, one day, you finally knew what you had to do and began. One day, one day, you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life. Mend my life, each voice cried. Are you starting to get the scene? Are you starting to get that? That one day, one day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Somebody said you can walk a thousand miles in those first two lines of that poem. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble, and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop, you didn't stop, you knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers. At the very foundation, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and a wild night and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, 
the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, and there was a new voice that you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. And there was a new voice, and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. The only life you could save. Your life. perfect poem in my estimation, in my humble estimation by Mary Oliver. Now, why is that? Why is that? Well, I think there are five reasons that we can zero in on. And again, I'm saying this because this poem, this one poem, I don't know how many times, thousands of times I've read this poem and countless times I have uh, spoken it, performed it in front of other people at meetings at in speeches and one-on-one workshops, one-on-one coaching um, sessions, I should say. And I can't tell you how many times I can remember um, one young woman executive, brilliant executive um, who I was coaching. And this poem was so powerful that, uh, you know, you can, I can always tell when somebody says, I, I need a copy of that, or I want a copy of that, or they would buy the Mary Oliver uh, volume of poems. So they would have this poem handy for this particular woman uh, that I'm talking about, this young executive who was brilliant. Um, she had this tendency to, uh, to get caught up in the voices of others, the, the, the request of others uh, at her own um, uh, peril, really. And so that one day you finally knew what you had to do and began, uh, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. That spoke to her. That spoke to her. Or I could talk or I could think about another, um, uh, an entrepreneur uh, who had started a fairly large family business. And and this poem just struck right to the heart. And he was uh, not someone who was uh, normally uh, given to reading poetry. But this poem, The Journey, uh, spoke to him because it talked to him about the passion and the fire that was, as they say, uh, in his belly for starting his business. And uh, there were many people um, that the, there were many voices around him that were saying it wasn't a good idea. It was not a good idea. So, um, so why do I think, again, so many people have given me feedback over the years that this is a poem that has been incredibly skillful, incredibly helpful for them. So one thing that I would think about in my in my five things is that the poem has to be relatable. It has to meet people where they are. You know, everybody 
uh, is not a person who is in love with poetry. The way that most of us engage with poetry are on certain occasions. And those occasions are usually occasions of celebration or the other end of the spectrum, uh, occasions of loss and grief. But when I say that uh, a perfect poem uh, must relate to people and meet them where they are, I mean that it it has to have um, uh, just a very um, uh, gettable kind of quality, a quality that we just sort of get it and grok it, and it just uh, strikes us as something which is uh, not aloof and and uh, um, uh, rarefied, but very down to earth and gettable. So a poem has to be relatable, has to meet people where they are, even either whether it's joyfulness and happiness or grief and loss and and anywhere in between. Uh, also, uh, number two, the poem can't be insultingly clear can't be insultingly clear. And I think this uh, Mary Oliver poem just weaves right through that. It's accessible and we get it, and yet it's not insultingly uh, clear. Uh, when you think about insultingly clear, think about the lines that are in uh, greeting cards <laughs> where we're beat over the head with the message. You will feel sad or you will feel happy. And we're beat over the head with the message. And it makes for doggerel. It makes for um, quite honestly, quite bad poetry. That's okay. I mean, greeting cards are fine in their own context, but um, it's most, most, most often you will not find a perfect or a great poem in a greeting card. Uh, so it can't be insultingly clear. Number three, it tells a story with words, with images, with metaphors. Uh, I mean, you think about, um, uh, you know, the metaphor, uh, you knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundation. That just gives us a feeling, a, a felt sense of it. And these images, it was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. We immediately get that scene. You know, you look out at a road, wind blown, you know, it's dark and the rain is pelting and the and and the road, as the poem says, is uh, full of fallen branches and stones. We just get the difficulty of that scene, we feel it, not just hear it, not just the language, not just abstractions, but we feel it. And uh, when you talk about uh, that the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice that you slowly recognized as your own. So there's a way that we're telling a story, but we're also using images. We're not just using language in its linear, logical format. And uh, so I say this number three, it tells a story with words, images, metaphors, mysteriously transcending the limits of linear language. And it does that with this combination of all those things. Number four out of five, for my sort of what makes a perfect poem perfect. Number four is it helps because it's not trying to be helpful. Paradoxical, I know. But I really believe this. This is what I've observed over all these years and working with many, many poems, 
is that the poem definitely has a message. It tells a story. It has its images. It has its metaphors. It is. It's. It's definitely has a point of view. But it is not, at least in a traditional classic way, it is not propaganda. It is not trying to beat us over the head. Um, and it's not trying to fix us or to be helpful in that kind of fix-it way. It just isn't doing that. A good poem is like a, a, a system's consciousness. It, 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 it is working with second and third order uh, consequences, not just first order. That's why we step away from a poem, and sometimes we go, I don't even know. Nothing's changed, but somehow I feel a little bit better. Um, and number five on my list of what makes a great poem great or a perfect poem perfect is what how we're saying it. It helps us. It helps you remember yourself in a different way. I often speak of this word. I'm a uh, as a poet and a poetry lover. I'm also a word nerd in the sense that I love language. Don't trust it always. Uh, and I'll do another podcast on that later. Um, but I love language. I love language. Um, and uh, um, it can help us, if you think about that word, remember. Think about what that means, to remember ourselves in a different way, to put ourselves back together in a different, more skillful way, more healed, more engaged more mindful. And speaking of that, I said, it's helpful. It helps you. It helps us remember ourselves. It helps you remember yourself in the way that you want to remember yourself. Something critical. Remembering something critical to your life. Something deepening. Something when you're triggered. You know how when each of us is triggered and it's, it, it happens to each of us in different ways, but we are off to the races. We are believing that the story in our mind is who we are. We're believing that the story in our mind is the truth and not a story, not an interpretation. We believe that our beliefs are actually isness when we are triggered and we are totally identified with whatever it is we're thinking. And that was my last point, is that something mindfully larger than our ego-entangled self, so that we and so that we gain the observer again, and even more so we can step into this mindful world of just now, just consciousness. Poem can help us do all those things, all those things. One day you finally knew what you had to do, said Mary Oliver, and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble, and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, mend my life, each voice cried. Now, I just want to stop as I uh, read the poem one more time to say, sometimes I've made this point so many times for myself mostly, and for others, is that sometimes those voices we hear, you know, the ones that keep shouting their bad advice, they're not external at all. Those are sometimes not the toughest voices. The toughest voices are the ones inside us. 
our own voices that are giving us bad advice. And uh, that's that back to that point about being attached to something. So our identity is attached to a set of ideas or a story. This poem says, how can we step back from that? So um, their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, mend my life, each voice cried, we can't, have you noticed, we cannot fix anyone. <laughs> uh, and they say, mend my life, mend my life. And, um, you know, we just know what a trap that is, what a trap that is. But you didn't stop. The poem goes on, but you didn't stop. You did not stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundation, though their melancholy was terrible. Those are those amazing images again. It was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, but little by little, as you left their voices behind. The stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice. And there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own. That kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world. Determined to do the only thing you could do. Determined to save the only life you could save. This would be a great poem to memorize, uh, which I have, and I have a copy here in front of me um, so as to not stumble, but this is a great poem to memorize or memorize pieces of it. Because if you think about it, another metaphor that I think about with this poem is it's a, it's a way of um, when you think about uh, uh, the metaphor of of a signal to noise ratio, you know, and we're looking for the signal, we're looking for our signal, and there's noise that we're going to have to contend with. Some of the noise coming from inside us, some noise coming from outside of us. People saying, "Mend my life, mend my life." So noise comes from different places, but how do we find our signal again? How do we find our center? again? How do we come back to ourselves? Well, a perfect poem can help. And I've tried to give a few of the ideas from my perspective, from my work with poetry over these last 30 years or so. Uh, what makes a perfect poem? What makes a poem that you're going to want to kind of keep handy and maybe have for yourself at different times? The, and final, as we kind of close this edition um, of the podcast, I said, no one has a pipeline to poetic truth. And I'd be the first to say that. Um, so you have to decide what is ultimately you have to decide what is the perfect poem. I just wanted to give you serve up some ideas uh, from my work. No one has a pipeline to the poetic truth. However, I would say, again, after 30 years of reading writing, teaching, talking, thinking about, and savoring poems. These five criteria that we've worked with, is it relatable, it's not insultingly clear, or it is relatable and meets us where we are in our lives. It's not insultingly clear. 
It tells a story with words and images and metaphors uh, and actually can transcend a great poem, a good poem, a perfect poem, transcends the limitations of linear language, and that's mysterious. How does that work? I don't know. It works, though. And it uh, number four, it helps because it's not trying to be helpful. It's not propaganda. And finally, it helps us remember ourselves, remember something very, very important, and step into a more mindful space. Okay. Um, I hope you enjoyed this uh, edition of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that poem and uh, that maybe if you didn't know about it, now you do. Now you do. Okay, so that is a wrap. Thank you very much. As I always say, thank you very, very much for your listening ear. Let others know about this podcast. I'm trying to get the word out. And um, yeah, make a comment. Do you know whatever uh, strikes you as uh, something you'd like to do would be great. And as I say, pass it along to someone you think might be interested in this, might find value in it. And as I always like to say, until next time and next poems, take good care of yourself and uh, also um, take good care of someone else too. <laughs>